When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 547 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Neil Hilton, and you know, I got some reasonable feedback after the last match review that was only 14 minutes, and it's El Clasico, and usually those things in the past have been 25-minute match reviews or five headlines with a podcast to follow and all that stuff. But these shows have been a bit shorter this season, true. And the answer, I want to be honest, as you always know, part of this brand and part of my credibility is always to be honest with you, the audience. So the answer is twofold. Firstly, as I was warning for the last few months, some other things are taking my time, unfortunately, in life. So if you want to get my time back or, or try to, subscribing, helping me out through the merch store, joining Patreon, and helping me prioritize this financially, those are all ways to help me out. Just every little bit helps. Secondly, like most of you watching, I enjoy FC Barcelona. And while I try my best to understand the different tactical nuances and try to figure out from match to match, because the opponent's always different, so maybe we have something different to talk about. But things this season, as Xavi knows full well, have been rather repetitive, and watching Barca is not as enjoyable as it's been in years past. I started this show during the days of Ernesto Valverde, when Messi was doing Messi things, and they were winning, but, you know, on the field, we know it wasn't a thing of beauty. But you can make arguments for Setien and Kuman being unbearable to watch, just like some of Xavi's team this season, but I'd also argue that, especially Kuman, that squad wasn't in a position to compete. But at least Messi was still around for some of Kuman's time in charge. Now, there's no magical Messi, and the squad is, I think, unlike Ronald Koeman's time, talented enough after last summer's recruits to be better than they are. 
They are underachieving this year in wins, in losses, in draws, in the visuals and aesthetics of the way that they play. And to some degree, this Copa del Rey match today was no different. And that has been the story of this season. Just rinse and repeat, win, loss, or draw. So let's hop in, unfortunately, as I said. But fortunately, it is a victory, and they move on the competition. And Real Madrid, while they weren't able to beat Atletico Madrid, which is a much different opponent than Unionistas de Salamanca, either way, that was the round, that was the team that Barca had to defeat, and they did it. So let's hop in the five headlines from Barcelona's 3-1 win over Unionistas de Salamanca. Headline one is no player was the right choice. I think going in when you're not playing well, Picking a starting lineup is kind of impossible. I mean, yeah, it could have gone really, really well, and Barcelona could have won 7-0, and we would have said Xavi got it right. But under any circumstances, with the way that the club is going in, with the way that Xavi is clearly feeling pressure, whether or not the things between him and Deco that were coming out the last two days, whether or not those things are even true, and there isn't actually tension between everybody at the top there, between Xavi and the board and the technical director and those in charge, even if there's no tension... Clearly, things are being drummed up, and there is pressure. You can see it in Xavi's face. You can see it in Laporta's face. Everybody feels it. So you knew coming into this match, regardless of who Xavi picked, and there would be some rotation, and there was, but regardless of who he picked, there was really no right answer. So I want to ask you, what's the bigger story? Mark Yu getting the start, or all of Casado, Vitaroque, Kubarsi, and Hector Fort not starting and not getting more rotation from the kids? I do think the story here, though, in defense of Xavi is Mark Yu starting. As I've just laid out to you, with the pressure Xavi is under, I get that he wanted to start a reasonably strong back four, or at least an experienced one, a rare opportunity for Oro Mayu there at defensive midfield. You know, he has to be at this level, right, against Unionista de Salamanca. And then De Jong also starts just in case Oro Mayu wasn't at the level. With just off the top, I don't really have any other notes on Oro Mayu. Some people thought he was really good. I thought he was fine. I thought he was actually pushed off the ball a few times, and I think he needed to be stronger at times. I thought he was pretty disciplined, and his positional awareness was good. But to me, it was an amazing performance, but it also wasn't a negative. Orome, who in other times this season has played himself off the pitch, I don't think he played himself back onto the pitch or in bigger games or bigger matches, but I also don't think it was a negative for him. And maybe this is naive, but I do buy that Vito Roque isn't ready. It was reported that he wasn't fully fit after his first appearance and after a full Brazilian season, as I keep saying, I'm more inclined to believe that Vitor Roque actually isn't physically or even tactically ready yet, which is totally fair. Instead of a message from Xavi for Deco about the transfer and trying to stir the pot a little bit, Xavi isn't in the position to make statements with his squad if Vitor Roque was actually ready to contribute. And I also want to remind you, as long as Lewandowski's in, even next season, Vitor Roque was signed for five-year deal. He was signed for the future. He is still just 18. I'm not worried about even this entire spring here moving him along. Next season, he needs to be a contributing member of the squad. But as I said with Vitor Roque, by jumping for him in January, you do expect him to be able to contribute. The club wouldn't have forced that through and made sure they got him registered and jumped through those hoops if they didn't think he could contribute, which I also think he could contribute having seen what he was in Brazil. But I also understand he just showed up three weeks ago, but even the language barrier of understanding the tactics on the sideline, especially as I remind you, with Rafinha out injured, he's not on the bench or on the field with Vita Roque. So there could very much be a language barrier and it might come out that he does speak Spanish. Somebody can point me in that direction, but I just want to give him a few weeks even of adaptation before I'm going crazy about him missing starting lineups, even against a third division side. 
All right, I've gone way too long without talking about the mat, so let's dive in here. Two minutes in, an early chance for Unionistas, and Xavi is obviously not happy. You know that he wanted an instant response from the opening whistle, and they didn't get it. Mara Lasada instead, that's not a Barcelona player's name, in transition. Koundé forced him wide, but the angle was still right, and he should have got this on net. And with that power, he would have likely beaten Inaki Pena, and Barcelona dodged a very early bullet. Eighth minute to Mark Yu pressing with Fermi Lopez and Ferran Torres. This is a positive. This is something I really liked about. If you're going to start Mark Yu instead of Lewandowski, what I expect from him is that the shape of that press looks a little bit better and supports that high line a little bit better, which I'll get to in a minute here. But unfortunately, nothing came of it. So I couldn't really say it was a huge positive, but a turnover was forced and the keeper had to go long in the next two iterations of that same movement. It may not work against the top teams, but again, that kind of pressing effort will work against a third division side. And I was looking at that point for anything to be optimistic about. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's Piquet and Puyol or Piquet and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Headline two is Unionistas Unafraid. I'll tell you why I was looking for anything positive. Because Unionista were unafraid of going right at Barcelona. They were finding space when Roberto stepped into the midfield from that right back spot. And Balde got forward on the left. Barca is still leaving huge spaces. First division side, third division side, doesn't matter. And it was the same high line we saw against Madrid, which it should have been. I know it seems counterintuitive that you just got crazy exposed by Real Madrid, but Unionistas on paper should be easier to pressure and turn over in their own half of the field than the team you faced on Sunday. They also should be pinned deeper because they need more bodies to deal with the Barca attack on a technical level. But... As we know, teams are not afraid of Barcelona, and this is just another example. Credit to Unionista, too. Though I do find that lower division side at home with nothing to lose in the Copa del Rey are always more brave. That's why I give credit to Unionistas. That's not just against Barcelona. That's in the Copa in general. That's why Unionistas beat Villarreal. And the other argument is that as opposed to La Liga, where goal difference can affect you down the road, you know, this isn't an excuse for Barcelona, just an observation, but... The counter-argument to that immediately is that, again, it's a third-division side that Barca Athletic is ahead of in the table. So Unionista should have been put to the sword by a team as talented as Barcelona pretty early. But there also were quite a few Barca offensive mishaps in the first 15 minutes. Clearly Torres, Mark Yu, Fermin, and Jao Felix were not on the same page in terms of their runs and movement, which is totally understandable. That, for some, I can imagine, has not yet played together. If I'm thinking right, maybe Fermin and Mark Yu, that would be the trigger there. And usually, Jao Felix and Ferran Torres don't share the field. So I had to look back, but I feel like they haven't logged at least too many minutes together this season as a foursome up top. Christensen was probably brought down for a penalty in the 19th minute. I'll throw that one out there. And if this match had changed differently, I think that one gets talked about a lot more. 22nd minute, Mark Yu gets on the end of a cross with an acrobatic attempt, but the keeper got enough on it to redirect it up and over. But I said, I'm looking for positive, grasping for straws, and this kid puts himself in dangerous positions. We already know he has two goals with the first team, and he continued to put himself in dangerous positions early in that match. That was good to see. Unionistas conceded only five goals at home this entire season. So again, it sounds like I'm building up some kind of argument for why Barcelona were struggling in this match. But again, that's against third division teams. So every compliment I have, there's always some kind of, but yeah. And also one of those goals was from Villarreal. Unionistas also, by the way, just a 10-year-old club. They are owned by the fans and one of the last examples of a team in Spain that is owned by its members. So it's cool that they even reached this level. And the last third division side that had gotten to the quarterfinals was Racing Santander 10 years ago. So it's been a while since third division side. So I totally understand why all the neutrals and Unionista, I think they had a little bit of belief there. And especially in the 32nd minute when the 1-0 is scored. Unionista goes ahead. They strike first. Mark Yu and Ferran Torres, they go to press. Like I just said, it was a good thing a few moments ago. It's why I set you up for this. They go to press, but Fermin is laboring behind them and trying to shake off a little knock when he was stepped on. So Udinista's find space with a diagonal ball to the left. Barca still got numbers back, though, and they should have defended this better. Kunde came over to double the winger. This is not on Kunde. I'm just saying positionally, that's where the numbers went. Christensen got pulled then to the near post, and neither De Jong nor Balde picked up the run to the back post. But this is Balde's man. This goal is on Balde. 
A nice finish by Alvaro Gomez as well. I give him his credit, as I've been doing. Inaki Pena, not at fault. I usually give him some criticism. Not this time. Not a fault for the goal. And as I said, it looks like this one is mainly on Balde. Once again, being caught upfield positionally. So whatever the plan is, does that mean that it's De Young who has to step in and, and drop in deeper was Fermin Lopez. Was it Oromeu is supposed to drop into the middle instead of going out to one of the wings? Who knows, but that was Balde's man. And I want to remind you, things could have got worse. Another Unisys break a few minutes later, the shot went wide, but it all started when I talked about Oromeu. He went down saying he was pushed on the back and the ref didn't give it. And then it's the breaks. When you're in the Copa del Rey, away from home to a third division side. The one thing I will say about Mark Gu at this point that I noticed in the first half too, was that he could have a bit more strength at moments on the ball, but it's a fair and reasonable reminder that he's just turned 18 this month, a few weeks ago. So I totally expect that to enter his game. But there were moments in the game where even though his body physically looks like he has that strength, he did still just turn 18. So I do expect him to better understand how to use the newfound strength. And we don't even know. We we'd actually don't, like he may look the part, but we don't actually know how physically strong he might be. And a few more years in the weight room and understanding and learning his new body, I certainly think that he'll be better with hold-up play, which he does really well at the youth level. And I can see that as being an understandable argument why he doesn't actually even play against semi-professionals in the third division with Barca Athletic, but he doesn't play against grown men in the third division and why he has been oscillating between even the first team and Barca Athletic. And he's been playing quite a bit for the u 19 I believe he's logged the most games for that team this season, which again, totally makes sense to me. He just turned 18 and that's the body he's still living in is an 18 year old body. But once he adds a bit more strength, boy, he'll be able to also, I think with his technical ability, be able to hold the ball up. And he truly is just a number nine that Barcelona's academy does not produce. So it's almost hard to understand him. But yeah, I, I've liked him every time I've seen him play. Headline three is Torres in transition. I just wax poetic about Mark Hugh, as I'm expected to do with the academy kids. You know that. But it was Ferran Torres who got the opening goal for Barcelona. The 1-1 from a corner kick from Unionistas. Barcelona doesn't break that often. But actually looking at the stats, they do counterattack more than the average team in the Liga. So it's not that crazy to think that they would counterattack successfully here. Jao Felix played Ferran Torres free. 1v1, 40 yards out. This is a lot of naivety on the corner kick from Unionistas, putting too many bodies forward. And Torres dribbled his way into the angle he wanted, inserted it to the back of the net, across the keeper for the goal. You could argue that a more experienced keeper would have handled this with all the time that the keeper would have had to figure out the run. But I do find those 1v1 situations are always a bit of a crapshoot for the outfield players. So I want to give credit where credit is due to Torres. Nothing was getting in the keeper's way of timing and judging the shot. So Torres had to get it right. He got it all right. The run, the timing, setting himself up and finishing. That's all he asked Ferran Torres to do, who at this point now has double-digit goals on the season, has a few assists. And actually with the minutes he's played... He's got a reasonable number that's a bit better than Jao Felix and Rafinha. At halftime, Pau Gabarsi came to replace Christensen, who had some discomfort, a sentence we've said quite a bit with Christensen when he gets subbed out. He hasn't been out for long stretches in his Barcelona career, but he's just had those little knocks he's had his entire career. And he's less injury prone than Araujo, but more than Kunde. And that also shifted Kunde over to the left center back spot. With that change at halftime, it wasn't just Kubarsi. I, I thought he fit into the game just fine from the jump. But 51st minute, Mark Yu got the yellow card for cynical tackle on Jimenez, which I think did switch up some of the game plan then with the match still 1-1. Headline four is Cavalry needed. I think about that yellow card, sure, but I also think 60th minute, that's the perfect timing that tells me that Xavi in his own head 
had almost pre-planned, and especially with the halftime warm-ups of Lewandowski, Gundogan, and Pedri, I think Xavi was pretty clear. If this team is still tied, or if we're losing, or if we're not up by even, I don't know, do you want to be up by two or three goals, unless he was going to make these changes? So Pedri, Gundogan, and Lewandowski on the 60th minute for Fermin, Lopez, João Felix, and Mark Hugh. And it's back to the box midfield with Pedri on the right and Gundogan on the left, expecting, that being Xavi, Gundogan and Pedri, you guys got to be attackers here against a third division side. I expect that of you. And I thought they did that after the 64th to 66th minute when Barca were defending for their lives. So those three come into the game and Barcelona were then almost immediately on the back foot. A punt save from Pena to the head of Unista player and a few young clearances. Barca were on their heels. Do not forget that in the 64th to 66th minute. And this match was at that moment teetering on the edge. But headline five is defenders being goal scorers because while the match was teetering, the 2-1 comes and I felt at that point it did reasonably put this game to bed. Barca got some sustained possession right after that. Nice little answer and not much to break down here about Koundé's goal. Other than there was no Unionistas player stepping to him. But it was his first goal of the season, and I don't think they expected him to shoot from there, having done their homework on Kunde, He faked the pass out to the left, the defender went for it, and he set himself up for the shot with a fake back to his right. Good power and a good goal, but it's not like Barca can hang their hats on a good team goal. But a goal is a goal at this point, and the one that put Barcelona in the driver's seat. 71st minute, it was a yellow for Kubarsi who picked up the assist on Koundé's goal. Obviously not much to the assist, but I do want to take this opportunity to mention the assist. And I thought his passing was instructive to what I've seen at the lower levels that I think he can contribute to the first team. You know one of the adages with me when I look at young players, more than anything, it's do they make the right decisions or do they make good decisions and how quickly do they make those decisions? And as far as the time he was on the ball and the amount of time that it took him to either find that window in the middle or just keep it going side to side or even bypass De Jong or Romeu to get it out to a wing, especially on the right side, we didn't really see him flexing any diagonal balls. But I like that he makes quick decisions and he makes generally right decisions, with the exception of that one giveaway he had late in the match. But I, I do chalk that up to a miscommunication with Sergio Roberto, who I would assume does not regularly in first team training play at right back. And Kubarsi, I thought he made the right decision and Roberto had already moved forward. So that is a miscommunication to me. I mean, you don't miss that much <laughs> unless it's just a miscommunication. And I thought the pass was where Roberto would have been. And Roberto was making the run where he thought Kubarsi would have played him. And yeah, you get the point there. 73rd minute though, here's the other positive. 3-1, Balde's goal. And this is all Balde. I'm making up for the first goal, I guess. And really bringing the question, if you had an actual traditional winger on the left side... And maybe Balde could be an inverted left back instead of having to be a left winger, which it does feel athletically on paper like he should be the left winger. But we've seen now the sample size is big enough, even last season, but really this season throughout what we're now five months into this season, that he doesn't have the skill set to be that left winger or to push into those positions out wide and to create things. His best actions are created when he gets to invert, when he gets to dribble, and when he has that defensive midfielder, whether it's De Jong or Romeo or Grindelwan, when he has that player tucked in behind him to cover for him, and he can just get off to the races in the middle of the field. And this was the reward for that skill set. Cuts inside, no Unistas player came to meet him after he got by his primary defender, and it was a good finish too. Not much of an angle to shoot at, and he hit it with fine power to the bottom of the bar to put Barca up 3-1. 82nd minute, Vitor Roque gets the minutes to close the game. 
By that time, it did feel like Barcelona knew they were going to win the match and were playing with some confidence for once. And I also think that Vitor Roque, with his energy, just like Mark Guy, it just makes me feel like they're playing with a bit more confidence and a bit more energy. He did play on the right wing, though, which I know you're going to complain that you're playing him out of position. We haven't seen him at the nine yet, other than that one little few minutes there. But he's now already showed you in his appearances that he can play on the left wing, the center, and the right wing, which means that he can be utilized anywhere. And that means that he will get minutes regardless of how many players are in that forward rotation, which at this point is six, counting Lamini Mall as well, who was suspended for this match, by the way. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Gundogan and Pedri combined for a little chance late, followed by a high miss by Gundogan, who we haven't really seen in a higher position next to Pedri since the start of the season. And you get the sense that Xavi only was doing this because he was playing a third division side. And any time that the opponent has any kind of tactical ability and can play out of the back, we're going to see Gundogan continue to be a bit deeper, which seems counterintuitive, but it tells you that Ori Romeo isn't trusted. That's why Gundogan has to play deeper as not a natural ball winner. Two late saves from Pena. I don't want to underestimate those. They were really, really tremendous saves. The second one was really impressive with his trailing hand, with his momentum going the opposite way. Hopefully, this is a confidence-building match for Inaki Pena as well. And those two saves also happen because of the Kabarsi roberto miscommunication I already mentioned. But I think those are little minor details. The big picture here is Barca win 3-1. They move on. And then, obviously, I'm recording this after that Real Madrid-Atletico Madrid match, which I did enjoy, obviously. Always great to see an Antoine Griezmann do what he did in extra time, putting Real Madrid to the sword. And yeah, they're out in the competition the round before Barcelona, which fortunately for the draw, you say Kool-Aids, you're always unlucky. Well, they got a good draw in the Copa del Rey this season. So hopefully the quarterfinals shine a little bit of light on Barcelona as well. But at this juncture now, you know it's going to be a first division side. And Barcelona, I think, are just hoping that they get the team that's most out of form or or the worst of the lot. And that draw will happen in the next few days, so maybe the next time I speak to you, that's what I'll be talking about. Barcelona do face Real Betis on the weekend, so look out for the five headlines for that one. And in the meantime, as I said, you know, Twitter, 
Instagram, Patreon, closed Facebook group, Discord, subscribing to the YouTube channel, merch store. Those are all the different ways you can help me out and get involved with the community. Most importantly, though, thanks as always for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Support the Barca.